Hey, Mike. Hi, Caleb. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm quite well. Thanks for asking. What are, what are you, you drinking? Oh, Jinx. I was just going to ask you the same thing. Gotcha. Um, I, as, as I mentioned, I am making an airport run to go pick my wife up from SFO later tonight. So I am actually going non-alcoholic. Mm. I'm, I'm teetotaling here. First. Is it? Yeah, it might be, huh? I am drinking a bottle of delicious Moxie, uh, which is, of course, uh, being from New England, uh, I drink Moxie. Um, and uh, yeah, since I can't be... I can't be there anymore for the Moxie Festival in uh, mm-hmm. little Lisbon, Maine. Uh, I have to, uh, I can get bottles of Moxie out here, though, which is pretty great. So, nice. yeah, shout out back home. It's making me homesick, except for the snow. How about you? What are you drinking? I'm having a water lily. Oh, very fancy. That's like the uh, aviation type drink, right? Yeah, it's got the uh, creme de violette in it. So it's purple and in a coupe and feeling fancy. Yeah, yeah, my wife likes that one. It's a little sweeter than an aviation. Well, and I also use lime juice, so it's a little sweeter still. Oh, geez. Yeah. Guest. <laughs> so tonight, uh, I thought we could, it's, I was looking at the calendar, as I want to do, and I realized we're almost 11, coming up on 11 months since we started the show. Oh, wow. And uh, Are we going to do like a, a retrospective, like an anniversary clip show or something? Is that mandatory? Not a clip show. We might on the actual anniversary. Who knows? Still, still time for that. But I was thinking uh, there was actually some uh, recent news about uh, some work going on at the, at the Fremont factory and uh, about Model 3. And so I thought we could talk about what do we now know uh, almost a year in since the unveiling uh, what's the new information? What's Tesla been talking about? And some of these things we will maybe have touched on in previous episodes, but I thought putting them all together into one context and having a bit more uh, continuity between these ideas might sort of catch everyone else up on where we're at. And especially as we come into sort of the next, uh, I guess, 10 months of time, hopefully less, uh, until these cars actually start getting delivered. You know, we're, we're definitely past the halfway point, um, assuming things go smoothly. So there should be more and more information coming out. So I thought it'd be a nice way to pause and, and take stock of where we're at and, um, yeah. and sort of see what's, what's, uh, what might be coming as we look at what's come so far. Sounds appropriate. It's, uh, I mean, the Model 3, after all, is our uh, reason for existence, right? It's our, our raison d'etre. It is. So uh, the big thing that happened in the past few days has been that uh, there was some rumblings that the Tesla factory in Fremont would be shutting down for a week. Um, and uh, some folks actually, there was a Reuters story that came out also uh, that Tesla had asked suppliers to begin ready to, uh, to begin uh, test building its Model 3, um, and uh, that they were scheduling February 20th for that date. And then there was also a note that Tesla was going to be shutting down the factory for a week. And uh, Tesla then later confirmed that, yes, they are going to pause the factory for a week at some time in February. Uh, so there's only 20-ish days left in February, so not much less than 20 days left. Uh, and they said that during this time, we plan to add capacity to the existing paint shop so that it's ready for Model 3 and perform general maintenance on other factory equipment. So Tesla didn't confirm directly that they're going to start uh, building Model 3s on the, on the factory floor. Uh, but those were the two, two, com- two major components that really got me to think, let's, let's recap and see where we've been. Because if this is true, this is really going to be the start of the beta cars. Um, so we know they have had two alpha cars 
the, the two that they showed on stage and took people for test drives in, that they let Motor Trend drive around, that went out to the Gigafactory, that was at their party they had at the, uh, the stadium down in San Jose. Uh, but this would be the time when they're really going to need to start building sort of test mules to show, or not even test mules, but beta cars uh, to start validating everything. So, yeah, what do you think? Does the does the timing add up for you? And does a week sound like enough time to get <laughs> things in order? To well, I mean, I would guess that a week you're not going to actually get too much retooling. I I can't imagine done in a week. And I should caveat this by saying I have no manufacturing experience whatsoever. So so take this for for what it's worth. Uh, but this is a podcast, so I'm going to just continue talking. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine if I had to guess that if there, if it's only a week, there's probably some series of things that need to happen to enable uh, the build out. Like, I don't know, maybe you could imagine like power having to be shut down and rewired or um i don't know drainage or whatever kind of things might need to happen where you you can't actually do open heart surgery on the existing uh, production line so it's probably just easier to shut it down like fork it or you know do whatever to split things off and then continue building things out uh from there like that's that's kind of what i imagine they must have identified some choke points that really can't be uh done in parallel um Mm-hmm. But again, that's just wild speculation. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think one of the things that gives us um, insight into this was that the uh, the Gigafactory event in January. Uh, one of the analysts asked uh, asked Elon and JB about this. They said, you know, it looks like things are going well here at Gigafactory. How are things going at Fremont for Model Three? And JB's quote was, "There's a huge amount of work happening in Fremont." It's just less obvious uh, than perhaps it is here because it's reconfiguring things inside the factory. So moving things out of the way, space is getting ready and prepared. So that work is all underway and generally tracking on course uh, was his, his quote from, from answering that question. Um, and then Elon went on to say the final assembly for Model 3 will be far more advanced than the Model S and X. It will be a step change when you see it. Uh, that's like the best way to improve. If you just speed things up, you don't need extra capital expenditure. You just turn the knob to go faster. So (laughs) both of those answers about Fremont. uh, And so I think for sure they've had a lot of extra space. The the plant is just shy of 5 million square feet. Uh, It used to produce half a million vehicles a year uh, with Toyota and GM. And Tesla has just now reached 100,000 cars, just shy of that 90,000 in the past year. And so... Clearly, the factory has much more space uh, than they're currently utilizing. There's parts of the factory that have literally been kept dark because they don't use them. Um, But there are some things that are going to be shared between the the Model 3 and Model X and Model S. One of those is the paint paint factory, the the paint booth. Um, And so that is one reason they called that out specifically. And and even in previous earnings calls, they had talked about uh, upgrading the paint 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 booth, I guess. Um, so I think it does make sense that they're going to have to do some work where they're going to have to rearrange things and change the way the, uh, the cars are going to come in because we think that the final assembly is going to be different, uh, for, for model three, but there'll be some points where the two, actually the three programs all intermix. Um, so yeah, I, I think that this is going to, they, they don't do this very often, actually. They, 
They did it for Model X um, when they shut down the plant to get everything ready for Model X to ramp up. Uh, and they, they've done it one time before that as well, uh, earlier on in Model X, I believe. So um, it's not as if this will happen once a month. Obviously, <laughs> taking down the factory for a week uh, really does uh, have a big impact on what they can produce. They said it won't have any impact on their production. They're going to find a way to squeeze in these cars that would, would have been produced. But that seems Are they going to do more with less? Yeah, that, that seems a little bit uh, dubious um, to, to assume that they weren't actually running at full, full speed anyways. But I think uh, it definitely seems plausible that uh, this coinciding with the Reuters story about wanting to build some of the prototype vehicles, uh, definitely uh, there seems to be some credence to that. Um, so I think one of the things to step back is, okay, what has Tesla said? their production schedule will be for Model 3? Uh, and how does that compare with uh, what they did with Model S uh, for comparison? So the three main th components to think about are uh, they plan to start production in mid-2017, and they plan to be at volume production in late 2017. And they've given a date of July 1st as when they intend or they hope to be able to go into volume <laughs> production. Uh, July 1st. Uh, but Elon had said when he announced that, that obviously they don't expect that actually to happen because that would imply that every of their many, many, many hundreds of suppliers were all perfectly in sync as well as Tesla internally. But just like setting a date for a term paper or an exam, you have to, uh, you have to pick a date, even if some people's term papers are going to be late regardless. So <laughs> July but you 1st, don't usually pre-announce that you don't expect to hit it, though. Yeah, but I think J July 1st is, is, is the very beginning of... Uh, which quarter is that going to be? That's Q3. Um, so that's the, that's the very beginning of the second half of the year. Uh, and then also, he expects they will, they will produce... He was very clear not to say deliver. Produce 100 to 200,000 Model 3s in the second half of 2017. So that would be from July to the end of December. That's a huge range too, by the way. It's a huge range. It's a huge, I mean, that's a six month time period for a difference between 100 and 200,000 and produce, not deliver, um, is really intriguing as well. So what do you think? Like, is that 100,000 to 200,000 in the second half? Like in 2017, there are people, there are analysts who are still saying they don't think they're going to make any of them until 2018. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a lot. They're making zero right now. They don't have the facility set up. And I mean, to make, even we've, if we take the low end, 100,000 in, and, and we give them the full half of the year, 180 days, that's like, what, like 550 vehicles a day, every day. Um, and then you'd have to assume that they're not going to start at full uh, velocity. So they're probably going to have to start and ramp up. And that means they're going to be producing more than 500 a day uh, by the end of the week it yeah. sounds very optimistic i mean that would be more than they produce all this year in six months and potentially double that so it'd be double to quadruple the rate of cars coming out uh from one line there's the um you had you had uh highlighted a, a couple of quotes from um peter Holtinker. is that right <laughs> I do not know how to say his name either. He is the... Uh, Hulk Holdinger. Yeah, Hulk Holdinger. Uh, he is a former Audi senior director of production uh, who Tesla hired. Uh, and he used to run the A4 and A5 and Q5 uh, programs. And he was, at, he was at Audi for 22 years. 
So he's now in charge of production at Tesla and, and in charge of Model 3. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Um, and yeah. yeah, you had, he had, you had, uh, highlighted a couple of quotes, uh, which I guess I'll read, I'll read these into the record there. Um, he's saying, uh, it's about density and speed and putting more automation into, for example, general assembly, general assembly in a car manufacturer today is quite labor driven. Of course, that's more or less because of the product design. There's no way for a robot to install a harness today because the harness is not designed for a robot. It's designed for a human being. So we have to think about what can a harness look like so that a robot can install it. What about a fascia? Can they do it in a different way? So these are the things we have to think about, and that's the machine that makes the machine. I thought that was interesting, mostly because I would have assumed that wiring harnesses and stuff were already made for robots to put in. Like, that seems weird that that's still done manually. Uh, And yeah, if if not, then obviously that's a pretty, pretty big win for speed and automation right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that goes to all of the, uh, equipment and, uh, assembly line stuff that they're putting together to actually build the vehicles with a, um, I guess probably historically low number of human hands touching them. Yeah. I think that, uh, they certainly, this goes all to what Elon's been talking about of the alien dreadnought, uh, this concept <laughs> of a factory that is so advanced when you try and look at it as a human, you can't understand how it works. Um, and also that the rate of cars coming off the line in a factory is excruciatingly slow uh, when you compare it to his favorite phrase, the limit of physics, of how quickly you could uh, physically have vehicles coming off the line. Um, <laughs> a perfectly spherical Model 3 in a vacuum. Well, yeah, exactly. The, even lower than that. Um, that So he sort of believes that the uh, Model 3 as it stands will be 0.5, version 0.5 of the alien dreadnought. Um, and, uh, and that when it's really done in a few years, it will, it will look like an alien dreadnought. Um, and, but he did say that even with 0.5, uh, the biggest sticking point is going to be this global supply chain, um, that they have things coming from all over the world, all these different suppliers, and that it's actually terrible for efficiency. Uh, and he sort of made this cl- this sort of point that uh, with the global supply chain, you basically got um, global force majeure uh, hitting you. You've got hurricanes, earthquakes, fires, floods, everything. That At any point in time, that at some point in the world, there's one of these natural disasters happening that you are being affected by. Um, and so essentially at any point, you're always being pegged by some natural disaster that in in most cases you can ignore in most businesses but uh in the car business with a global supply chain it's something you deal with on a daily basis and he pointed out on in one of these calls that uh you know they've had ships sink uh they've had factories burned down uh they've had carpet get stuck on the border in mexico uh because there was a drug drug gangs happening and there was a shootout and they they couldn't get it across customs so um (laughs) He was just sort of pointing out that they also have been doing a lot of work on insourcing and producing more and more the uh, parts and the capability to produce parts in-house. And as their scale increases, uh, they have the, the resources and also the uh, desire to make those parts in-house due to the cost and the efficiency gains. Uh, it, it becomes much more likely for them to do that, along with what you were just mentioning with the fellow from Audi who's now on the team saying things like, the supply chain is building parts that are not necessarily built for uh, robots to install. And so Tesla is going to be designing these themselves. Um, And one other thing that uh, Elon had said pretty recently was that um, only 5% of the parts in the Model 3 
are parts that you could just buy off the shelf. Uh, that 95% of the parts in the Model 3 are going to be unique to the Model 3, um, which is a little bit different than the way many cars are made, especially within, um, you know, within a particular car brand where GM will use many of the same parts across cars. Even when we talked about the Chevy Cruze, I'm sorry, the um, Bolt EV, there were folks who were writing into us saying, oh, yeah, that mirror is actually the same as they have in the Cadillac right. um, and that the steering wheel is as similar as the Cadillac. And so uh, the, the Model 3 is going to have a lot of unique pieces that Tesla's designed and they'll be able to design things that are special. Um, one, one good example for the final assembly. So, you know, once they have the body panels all together and it's painted and they've got the drivetrain in there, uh, that's when they have to start putting the seats in and and the, the dashboard and the carpeting and all that. So that's the final assembly phase um, that usually you can't put the seats in uh, with a robot. They usually have these robot aided arms that humans operate. If you watch some of the installation videos on YouTube of like BMW or others, they sort of have to position the, the, the seat in and also the dashboard. They sort of are these big mech arms, but the human is guiding them because they only have the opening of the door. Um, but one thing that's really special about the Model 3, if you remember, is that the roof is almost all glass. Like the whole back piece is, is this big glass opening. And that's a very large opening that you could use uh, to have a robot arm swing in a, a dashboard and seats and all these different pieces that traditional cars don't have that large of an egress and um, ingress space. So you can imagine putting everything into the car robotically through that big opening and then sealing the glass later. Um, so even, even details from the way the car is designed, and we know Tesla's been saying they've been designing it for manufacturing, I think all go to how they potentially are going to actually be able to pull this off. Um, so I'm really, really excited to see uh, this first setup and hear more about what they're going to be doing on the, on the line and how advanced it really is. Like, it, Is it advanced for Tesla or is it advanced for the entire automotive world? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, they've, they're certainly setting a, a high bar for themselves. One of the other things that I thought was interesting that um, had come out a few months back, but I think not everyone has realized, is that the Gigafactory is, is critical to this, both because of the cells, but also because the drivetrains are going to be built there. So the motors um, and the gearboxes, the gearbox that goes on the motor, uh, is going to be produced at the Gigafactory. Uh, they apparently just didn't have enough space in Fremont to keep producing them for the Model 3. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be made there. And so... Uh, so that, the, that train line between uh, Fremont and Nevada is going to be a crucial supply link. Yes, yes. If, that, if you have any sort of like General Motors corporate espionage folks, they should go and take out that, that train line. There's probably a, a train trestle somewhere in there where they could really set Tesla back. We're not advocating any uh, corporate espionage. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was watching some sci-fi this weekend in the distant future, and there were corporate wars going on. So, yeah. That, uh, that would be a crippling blow uh, if the rail line was not working. Um, <laughs> but so, so that opens up more space at the Fremont factory, or I guess not necessarily, but it, it means that um, one of the things that a lot of folks were expecting was going to be done at Fremont and has been done at Fremont for Model S and X is, is not going to be done there. Um, and also means that that part can be happening with the team at the Gigafactory and the hiring capabilities there and the space they have at the Gigafactory, which is uh, quite large. Um, 
So I think that's one of the other components that has been under underreported. Um, and that Fremont, not only do they now not have to build that component, they've actually been approved for another 4.6 million square feet. So uh, the Tesla a few months back uh, in October, I guess, had a, had put in a request to basically double the square footage of the Fremont factory. And uh, as anyone in the Bay Area knows, uh, trying to get space in Fremont and the Bay Area is extremely expensive. They they bought another 25 acres uh, to to pay f- to sort of provide some more space. And then they also are going to be putting in buildings where the uh, parking lots are. Um, <laughs> and there's a funny Twitter account of Tesla parking, and it's insane. People drawing <laughs> chalk lines around their vehicle saying this is a spot and parking sideways and parking crooked. And so they already have parking problems. Uh, but it looks like they'll be nearly 10 million square feet, uh, which would make them one of the largest uh, auto, auto plants. And they've been approved. So that won't necessarily be there by the time uh, the end of the end of this year comes around. Uh, but to hit that um, half a million by 2018 and one million by 2020, uh, they will certainly need more space. So they they are already tracking to produce 11, 11 to actually, sorry, it's 12 new buildings on the uh, on the current Fremont facility. So more space coming there as well. Wow. Um that that's yeah that's kind of crazy um so what is the uh what is do we do we learn anything else about the self-driving capabilities of the model three yeah so when the uh when the announcement came back came out in march uh tesla just had autopilot available it was the forward camera and the radar and the surround this was still the, the mobile eye era yeah it was the mobile eye era and after the unveil, uh, Elon was was interviewed on stage at the Code Conference with uh, Walt Mossberg and, and Kara Swisher, and they were trying to get him to talk about full autonomy. And he he was trying to be coy, but he sort of said, well, "We're going to do the obvious thing." Uh, and some people took that to mean that he, they were going to add self driving, and others just weren't sure exactly what that would mean. And so uh, he had also teased that there was going to be a part two. Uh, of the Model 3 unveil. And we had talked about that uh, in the past as well on the show. Part two. Part two. And so what that actually ended up being was what they unveiled in October uh, through that teleconference and also just a press release announcing that all the new vehicles coming off the line had the new Tesla uh, Tesla Vision system. They were going to be powered by the NVIDIA new uh, drive px platform um and also that uh they were going to have eight cameras better ultrasonics stronger radar better gps uh, and basically be capable of full level five once the software was capable of it Um, and so they also said that that would of course now come to the model three and the hardware uh to the best of our knowledge and and what tesla has said is that that hardware will be installed standard Uh, there will still be a software price to pay to unlock it, but that it will be be there, and that uh, this is what they Elon had been teasing. They expected would would change the demand curve for Model Three because it would be one of the first, uh, you know, more widely available cars that would have full self driving capabilities. So, and this was the announcement that also included like the Tesla sharing network or, or yeah. that whole stuff as well. Okay, yeah, that was part of the master plan part two, um, and so part two, yeah, so. 
I was a little surprised that this is actually what he meant by part two. Um, I think many people, myself included, expected part two was going to be more of the interior, uh, which we'll get to in a few minutes, I, th- I expect. But um, uh, I do think that the self-driving is immensely important. I guess I probably discounted that that was coming because I expected it would be coming even without any real information, just that it's <laughs> just clear. table stakes in 2018. Yeah. It just seemed clear that Tesla was, Elon had always been talking about wanting to get there and that, you know, the software was the hard part. The hardware was the easy part. Um, and that clearly they would have some upgrade to the autopilot hardware at some point. So, um, I think it's great news that it's going to be their standard. I think it's certainly going to be the first, um, car in this price range for many years. that's going to have that, uh, available for sale. Um, and, but I, I don't, I don't remember hearing, and I don't, I'm curious what you think, hearing a lot of people saying, as soon as they heard that news, they went out and wanted to reserve a model three. Um, I, I don't know how much it changed the demand curve for model three reservations. Now, maybe it will change it when it's actually demoed as being self-driving. I think that's probably the the crucial point is that it all sounds very science fictiony, I guess it sounds very euphoria, like, uh, or utopian, maybe not euphoria, but euphoria to some people, mm-hmm. <laughs> utopian sort of like, it sounds more like a concept car kind of thing, right? Like, you know, like you can imagine the 1960s promo video of like car of the future with the like announcer's voice. Like it mm-hmm. has that sort of mm-hmm. Jetsons feel to it where it doesn't, it doesn't feel as real if you're going to talk about like plunking down money for it. Yeah. I think that it's going to be massively beneficial to Tesla uh, to have a car at this price point where I think many of these vehicles from other manufacturers are going to be limited to the fleets. So the vehicles are going to sell to Uber or Lyft or their own internal fleets. And then perhaps some of the really high-end vehicles like the uh, the, uh, Mercedes S-Class has some autopilot style features. And one of the trends you've just seen in general automotive world is that high-end technologies start in their super premium vehicles where they can charge a premium and they have higher margin. And then it takes five to 10 years for those to cycle through to the next generation, less expensive vehicles. And so even when another vehicle does have level three or level four, like the Teslas will have by the end of the year, uh, those won't be available in their BMW 3 Series or Audi A4. They'll be available in the Audi A8 and the BMW 7 Series and the S-Class. So um, I do think it is important that Tesla is going to be bringing those to uh, the same price point as their super high-end Model S and Model X. Uh, That is going to be unique. Definitely. Yeah. So one of the things that hasn't been talked about, well, has been speculated about, but we have very little concrete information about. So we're entering speculation zone. Oh, uh, we should have a little noise for that. Like, we need a stinger. Um, yeah. Is what's going to happen with the binnacle instrument, instrument cluster, instrument panel, whatever you want to call it, and the lack thereof. So if you right. look back at the photos, they have a 15 inch touchscreen so down from the 17 inch that the model s and x have uh, it's switched from portrait mode to landscape and it's floating out from the um from the dashboard and where you would normally expect to see a instrument cluster there's nothing and the steering wheel that they showed was very empty and didn't really even have buttons on it and a lot of people were confused about this and 
So the, the countervailing facts we had were that Tesla was saying very clearly, this is a production intent to have it like this without an instrument cluster like you would expect. And that also the steering controls are not the real one because after the event on Twitter, people said they, uh, they couldn't get used to the dashboard and they needed a HUD or something. And that Elon said it will make sense after part two of the Model 3 unveil. So he said that that was part two of the unveil. And he also had said that after, after the uh, self-driving came out, that that was what he was alluding to for Model 3 Part 2. So hold that in your brain. And then he <laughs> said, someone had asked him on Twitter, I can't get used to the steering wheel. Uh, what are you going to do to change it, basically? And he said in two separate tweets, wait until you see the real steering controls and system for the Model 3. It feels like a spaceship. And then he's also said, that's not the real steering system. So, okay, he said after Part 2, it would become clear. Self-driving is what he meant by part two. And now he's saying it should make sense. So that's yeah. interesting. Why do you need gauges and, and speedometers and stuff if the car is driving itself? Right. But uh, when you buy the vehicle, I do not expect you're going to be fully self-driving. So <laughs> humans will need some way to intervene. And then the question becomes, what does he think a spaceship feeling car or a spaceship feels like? And that what, why would you call it a steering system instead of a steering wheel, unless you were trying to allude to something grander than just the wheel? Um, so this is what has begot people thinking about a heads-up display, a retractable steering wheel system type thing, it not being a wheel at all because retracting a wheel into a dashboard would be a little bit weird. Um, so, so that, that's something, I mean, th that I think is probably the biggest unknown for me on the interior. And the other thing that's been unusual, and we'll get to what we think is going to come is that they've said in the past that they usually plan to roll out new technology to the model S and X before the model three. Um, and so the question becomes, do we, ex is it possible that in a few weeks we're going to have a model S and X refresh with a new driving steering system? That is what's going to be in the Model 3, or will they hold that until the Model 3 reveal, and then it'll start rolling off for Model S and X? What do you, you think is coming? When you say steering, steering system, are you, do you mean like the actual steering wheel? And, and are we talking about that like sort of collapsible steering wheel that we had talked about in the past? Or are I you guess. talking about the, the heads-up display that there's, there's going to be, let's say, a magic leap in uh, heads-up display technology? Mm. Um, do you see what I did there? I see what you did there. <laughs> um, I'm not wearing a backpack. <laughs> well, you have a whole car in this case, so it doesn't really matter. True. Uh, but anyway, but to say that, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm alluding to the uh, much ballyhooed Magic Leap uh, company, which, backpack aside, is that they have some sort of, allegedly have some sort of um, glass technology where the um, there's some sort of, like, I guess, micro perforations or something or whatever they're doing on the glass where it's creating essentially like a screen in front of your face and they can bounce like light off of it to create uh, that's my understanding of what mm -hmm. it is correct me if i'm wrong but yep. uh, a heads-up display would be somewhat similar where there might be some sort of micro abrasions or whatever in the windshield that could then catch some projection and you know display things with um either as a flat screen or possibly with some sort of i mean i don't i guess they couldn't really do any like augmented reality type stuff because that would involve like head tracking and kind of figuring out where your perspectives would be um so that's probably not and that, or that's probably just kind of foolish, but um, 
Yeah, I don't know. There's there's also the idea of of adding like I think we had talked a little bit about like the sort of Knight Rider or or the Kit or Jarvis uh, type things where there might be more voice control, there might be more of an intelligent assistant in the car. Um, but as, as to whether it's in the Model S first, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, part of the benefit too of of rolling things out to the higher end models first is is the lower volume of stuff too where. Um, it's probably better if you have something go wrong or if you need to tweak something, it's easier to do a recall on a small number of high-end vehicles rather than a your, like, you know, 100,000 of these things that you're cranking out of, over the course of the year, the, the more mass market thing. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there's a few things I think have to be, a couple of things I think are true. One, there needs to be a way for the human to still drive the vehicle in this class of Model 3. Maybe... In a couple generations in the future, they won't have a steering wheel or steering input for humans. So they showed it with a steering wheel. He said that is not the real steering system. So that could be anywhere from that. They will have a slightly different steering wheel, uh, which would probably be the weakest version of that argument, all the way to a fully retractable steering system that when you are not required to drive, it is not there. And then it exposes itself uh, pleasantly to you when you need to take control. So that seems like the spectrum to me. There uh, might be way more time to wait before you get get to that point, though. Yeah. So I, I <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that's too so far tonight. I'll, I'll I'll try and stop doing that. That's all right. Um, the so so I think it is. I hope it is a retractable steering system, uh, and that I also so I, I mean, hope, so I hope what, that's the case because so wait a minute. So, so can we drill in on that for a second though? Like yeah. I guess I'm I'm trying to wonder. All of the extra complexity of having a retractable steering wheel system, what is the what is the ROI on all that extra complexity? Like if your car is self-driving, does it really make that big of a difference in what will probably be like the first real self-driving car that the steering wheel collapses? Like, is it not still just as useful with the steering wheel still kind of right there? Like I, I guess I'm not understanding if it seems like you're doing too many things at once at that point. Like it seems like having a car with just a normal steering wheel that you can push a button and it just starts driving itself is incredibly more useful than the current state of cars, right? Like that's a huge leap right there. And I don't know that you necessarily need to also add like retractable steering on top of that enormous advance. Like, I guess what's, what's the case for, for going all out with, with adding autopilot and, retractable steering wheel all in in like v1 i think that it it would be mostly for the attention it gets them because they would be able to say when we're in full self-driving mode the steering wheel retracts and there'll be all these gifs and videos showing their steering wheel retracting and that no other car does that and that no other car is as advanced in technology forward as a model three and that with a standard steering wheel it still seems like you need to drive so i agree because the other end of the spectrum or the other sort of uh, thing to balance is that tesla has said they over engineered the model x and they're being careful not to put too many bells and whistles into the model three uh ahead of its initial launch so i expect it will be a steering wheel standard uh Maybe it will be slightly compressed and not a full wheel uh, to signal that eventually in the next generation it will retract and it will have space to go into the dashboard. But I think I agree that it will most likely be a standard wheel because the other thing is they'd have to test 
the you know airbag deployment from that distance, which is going to be different if it's in the retracted mode. So um, I think it would be PR mostly. You would need to get to full level five before you could do that, right? Because I think all of the subsequent levels involve the human having to take over. In level four, uh, there's a transition period. And so it could be, it could also make it more clear to the person driving that they need to be paying attention. So in level four, you could be on the highway and, uh, and not need to intervene. And then the car needs to give you a, a meaningful amount of time to prepare to take over. So then they could start popping up the steering wheel and have a countdown for when you need to take control to, you know, go onto the surface streets, for instance. Um, so level four does have full self-driving. It's just not in all areas. So if you were to cross into a zone where it's not ready, it would um, pop out the steering wheel, for instance. Interesting. Okay, so that's the steering wheel. But I do think it will be <laughs> slightly cooler than a traditional wheel. I, I know you don't like it, but I think it will probably have a flat top or bottom uh, and be more like an F1 uh, type uh, flattened, elongated uh, you know, semicircle type thing. Do not um, I want. I think. It, I think it's great. I think it's cool. Uh, I don't. I don't do huge sweeping turns that much, so I'll. I'll be okay. My hands will be fine. Um, but I do think that the lack of a situational awareness uh, instrument panel is more troubling, and I do think is more indicative of needing a heads-up display. Well, it could just be in the center thing too, right? Like the the Mini it Cooper, could, but the, the Mini Cooper has a center mounted uh, gauges, and the Prius has most of its gauges in the center. Yeah, there. but 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 the Tesla has uh, the map and all these other things. They would have to steal some of that real estate in that center panel. And then the other thing is that they have how do they right now? They use that space to tell you when you're in autopilot mode, when cars are approaching from different sides. Like it's a really useful to have That's that true. be in your main view, especially in a Tesla, where you need to know if you can you're in autopilot so i think it would be uh i think one variation is like what they have in current cars like the the uh, genesis's and the uh hunt and the high-end lexuses where it just projects from the dashboard onto the onto the windscreen and has like speed and uh they have like little directions for the map so that could be like v1 is like a very basic uh info about your status and where the cars are and such the level above that would be more the sort of virtual reality, augmented reality component where it actually is projecting uh, onto the, like what turns are coming up and things. So it's actually integrating what you're seeing in front of you and overlaying graphics onto it. Um, and we have evidence that they've hired folks from Apple and uh, a couple other companies, um, Scully, which was building a heads up display technology for motorcycle helmets. They've hired uh, two guys out of, uh, of there and also from Apple who are working on the, the iPhone glass, who are working in the Tesla glass group. And Tesla glass is a, a new group in Tesla that's uh, down in, at the uh, design studio in Hawthorne. And uh, Elon said that the, the Model 3 will be the first usage of Tesla glass. So it's all the way from it just being automotive glass so just the actual glass production itself, like what Corning or others would make, uh, all the way to it being sort of technology glass, where it's going to be, like you said, sort of like Magic, magic Leap, where there's actually optical uh, sort of light coming into the glass to try and uh, become a display. So that's going to be really interesting and surprising to see 
where do they, how do they mix those two components of the steering control, steering system with the heads-up display or not? And if not, is it just going to be that the dash sort of pops up and there's going to be a screen hidden in the dash? I mean, maybe. Uh, that's not nearly <laughs> as interesting, I guess. Um, and it also seems like unnecessary complexity. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm really curious to see what happens there. And that's probably the thing I'm most curious to see uh, what comes next, because I have the most questions about that of the Model 3. Interesting. Okay. So what about the, um, I guess, if, if that's the, uh, the self-driving and, and instrument part of it, like what about the uh, performance part of it? What about where, where it actually hits the road? Do we, what, have we learned anything new about, about what the, uh, what's under the hood, so to speak? Yeah, we have. Um, so the, the basic specs for the performance are a 215-mile range minimum. And what was the, what's the bolt again? Do you remember? 238. Okay. And when the bolt was initially uh, promised, it was uh, 200. So they decided to, so the bolt was told to be 200. Uh, mile three was said to be 215. And then they actually came out at 238. So I find it very unlikely that Tesla will allow it to be uh, bested by the bolt. So I'm, I'm hopeful for 240 or better on the base model. So we also know that uh, it will have a smaller than 60 kilowatt battery, 60 kilowatt hour battery, excuse me, um, because the head of Tesla Investor Relations had said on an earnings call for another company uh, that uh, it would be less than 60. Um, the, like the smallest model? Or yeah, all of the, them? the base model would be under 60 kilowatt hours. Okay. So because that is the, the base 60 Model S is more than 215, and we expect that the uh, Model 3 will be more efficient because it's lighter and smaller, that it should be able to do better than 215. So the question is how much smaller than 60 kilowatts it is, is the big question. Um, we expect it will be 0 to 60 under 6 seconds. Uh, that's all the info we have there, except there will be a ludicrous option. <laughs> which means that's also there will be a performance option. And we also know there will be, it'll be rear wheel drive standard, but it will have an all wheel drive optional. So it'll have a dual motor option, which should make it more efficient. And then also is the requisite for a performance model. So will there be like a, a P100D version of the Model 3? We now know that there also will not be a 100 kilowatt hour pack. Uh, Elon went to Twitter and said that there's not enough space in the wheelbase, so there will not be 100. So it will be somewhere between less than 60 and less than 100. <laughs> um, and we expect there will be more than one option for the battery pack size. Um, so, and we also know that the dual motor uh, that normally costs 5000 on the Model S will cost less than $5,000 uh, upgrade. Okay, so we can kind of assume the mo the motors are probably a little bit smaller. Yeah. The battery packs will be smaller, but maybe in proportion to the weight and size of the vehicle. So you could probably estimate that if the if the Model 3 is 20% lighter than the, the Model S, then the battery packs will probably be 20% smaller, I guess, all other things being equal. Maybe, maybe a little more. Yeah. And the batteries are going to be using their new battery cell, which should be 20 to 30% higher energy density uh, so even at the same weight they should be doing more storage um 
And also, uh, even though the wheelbase is, is smaller, um, yeah, they'll be using these slightly larger and better cells. And one negative on it is, though, that the uh, Model 3 will be using steel uh, in some parts of it where the Model S is all aluminum. Um, and so there will be some added weight as a result of the body chassis. So even weight savings from the battery pack may be offset. So it's, it's going to be really interesting. The, uh, one other positive is that the coefficient of drag uh, is expected to be 0.21, uh, where the current best is the Model S at 0.24, which has a much larger impact at cruising speeds on the highway. Um, which also would have a bigger impact on a smaller battery pack because there will be more energy used for sort of the startup and uh, stop process for using the car and heating up the cabin and such. So if you assume heating the cabin and, uh, and cooling the cabin uses a similar amount of energy between both vehicles, it would use a larger percentage of the Model 3's battery pack, if that makes sense. Maybe they so, should actually have just Tesla-branded wool cardigans that you can use to extend your range. Well, that's why they focus. They, I think so many of the vehicles have the heated seats uh, is because that uses a lot less energy than uh, using the blowers and the resistance heaters for those. Um, you could just use that awful, like, or I guess, like uh, vinyl seats where you kind of traps your heat and you just get kind of uncomfortable and sticky. That would be... Uh... Maybe yeah. not the best way of doing Probably it. Probably not the best way. But uh, <laughs> so I'm curious, what, what is your need for speed, Mike? What would, what would you want for your options, uh, given what we know about the Model S and what we might expect was going to come for the Model 3? Where would you spec out your personal car if you were having to pick sort of your ideal performance and battery pack? Interesting. I would probably, I mean, given that I live in, the Bay Area of California, I don't have to worry about all-wheel drive as like some sort of safety option. Um, so I would probably aim for range more than anything. Um, not that I take a lot of long trips, but the less I would have to plug in and charge it, the better, because um, I'm, I'm lazy and I will forget. Um, as for performance, I mean, as long as I can accelerate into traffic and merge and I mean, anything that's like bolt level performance would be fine. I thought the bolt was pretty fun to drive. Um, so, you know, as that was about as, seven seconds. Yeah. And, you know, as long as it hits that, that's fine. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I mean, again, I don't drive more than like maybe once every two weeks. Uh, so I'm not necessarily an authority on this, but, uh, and I drive a hatchback cause I probably go for more of the utility option of, of running errands. Um, so as long as it, it I can do that, that's fine with me. Um, so I'm, I'm probably not the right, uh, demanding audience for, for performance. How about you? Yeah, I'm torn. So there's a few things. One, I would like a very fast, quick accelerating vehicle uh, for the fun of it. Um, so I would like a performance version. I don't necessarily care about all-wheel drive from a snow and weather component, but from a driving dynamics point of view, uh, that can be beneficial. And also, they don't have the performance models without the D. Um, and then the other thing is, well, on the pack size, I don't really care about range uh, because when I do travel, I'm going to have to use superchargers anyways for the long-term traveling. So like going down to Los Angeles or something. So if you're going there anyways, one more stop for 20 minutes might not be worth it to me because I only do that a couple times a year. So I don't really care about range that much, but I think I would naturally have to get a higher range one with higher performance. And then also... If I were just to get a totally base model one, 
I don't think I would do that because I don't expect that the base cars are going to be um, prioritized. They've said they're going to try and prioritize higher-end vehicles first. So if I want to get my car early, even though I was a reservation on day one, I may want to try and spec it out as high as possible to ensure that I get it sooner. So I'm kind of torn. I'm going to have to just wait until the options come out and hear what Tesla says for the different delivery dates uh, because I really want to optimize for getting the car as soon as possible. And that (laughs) means if that means I have to spend some more money on higher performance, then I might do that. And I'm still debating whether or not I'm going to buy it or lease it, and that'll be a different episode. But um, Have we gotten any, like, guidance on what the price range of it will be? I I know they've set, like, a a base price target, but has, has there been any sort of range? Like, is it going to, is the high end one going to start creeping up to a, a base model model S? Most likely. Uh, Elon tweeted that he, they expect that the average option mix will probably be $42,000. So that would be $7,000 in extras. So if you assume maybe some of the self-driving, which would be about $5,000, then you've got $2,000 in maybe a glass roof or, upgraded paint so i don't that doesn't leave much of a budget for upgrades because self-driving right now a model s for both the enhanced autopilot and full self-driving is eight thousand dollars so either they're going to lower the price of the software potentially or he's expecting not many people are going to upgrade much because even upgrading the paint and glass roof could get you a few thousand dollars so yeah and the superchargers like yeah you, it could easily be Sixty, seventy thousand. Yeah, I think I think a fully specced out one will be higher than a base Model S, um, and and you can do that with a Model Three too. I'm um, sorry, a BMW Three Series or A4. And you can spec those guys out higher than the next uh, low end version of the next model. So, um, well, most of that's just the GPS system, right? True. And those always seem to add like ten thousand dollars to the car. Yeah. So I guess some of the other tiny little details in closing that have come out, um, and I'm curious if others have noticed other details that we we missed. They can tell us about them. But um, a few others were um, they've hired that Groman or they've bought Groman Engineering uh, to help with automation. Uh, we did an episode on that, so you can go back and listen to it. Um, they're going to focus on California deliveries first. Uh, they're also going to focus on. Yeah, they're also going to focus on Tesla employees and SpaceX employees first, um, and also giving priority to current Model S and X owners. So if you have one of those, you're in line first. Um, They plan to make the ramp happen in such a way that a large number of customers can receive the $7,500 U.S. federal tax credit. Which means before the end of the year, right? Well, which which means they will accelerate as soon as they hit 200,000 U.S. vehicles sold, that they would want to have as many available to deliver in the first quarter following, well, in the two quarters following the first day of their 200,000 sold. So Mm -hmm. their most ideal selling would be uh, the very first day of the quarter that they sell 200,000 vehicles, and then they have a full quarter, they have full two quarters to sell as many more as they want for the full price before it gets halved. So if they time it well, they could have six months of delivering a lot of vehicles and all of those people getting $7,500. And that's assuming that those, those rules don't get uh, changed in the interim? Like, are those yes. like locked in or, or could those get changed? Uh, those would not be able to be changed by an executive order since they're already into law. 
So it would have to be Congress or the Senate both pulling those out. Interesting. Okay. Um, then we also know that there will be folding seats uh, and that it should be great for road trips and camping, which I would like to sleep in my Model 3. That could be fun. Sure. Why not? Why not? That <laughs> was a real good selling point for the Pontiac Aztec. So, you know, who knows? Hey, the Pontiac Aztec, I remember that thing being part of the Survivor finale. It was an ugly car, but got a lot of attention. Um, um, everyone knows it as the Breaking Bad car now, but yeah. Oh, that's true. Uh, there's still tweaks happening on the front fascia. Uh, some people said it looked like a duck, but that was before the Model S and X had been refreshed. Um, actually, the Model X had already been out. Um, the trunk should still be they're still working to expand the trunk opening a lot of people are upset a lot of people are upset it's not a hatchback i don't really care but i don't i'm not a big i don't really tow a lot i don't want to bring a lot of stuff with me so i don't really well, care you can't Trunk's take it fine. antiquing don't plan to go antiquing here on the west coast don't live in connecticut anymore <laughs> um you should be able to fit three car seats in the back seat should easily fit two three if they're slim so those with babbies should be able to have babby seats in the back. Uh, the matte black was very popular and that they are going to consider bringing it to production. What do they mean by, what do they mean by popular? Uh, like, a lot like of people seem to like it on Twitter. Uh, okay. Yeah. The wheels they showed off were not production wheels, but they are wheels they've designed and spent a lot of time on, and they do plan to bring at least one or two of those pairs of wheels they showed off at the event uh, to production. So we can expect new wheel designs. There will be an optional tow hitch. <laughs> you could tow a boat around or, or your Airstream behind your Model 3. Yeah, I mean, you could bring a little U-Haul and, uh, you know, live out of the back of your car. So, <laughs> you know, one option. There will be a vegan interior, which we already know they have with the uh, ultra-white seats. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's just like a fancy word for pleather, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, vegan. It's vegan. I see. So it's not cheap fake leather. It's vegan. That that sounds like some good marketing right there. Hey, and I've uh, I did get to uh, touch that. It sounds weird. Touch those seats, uh, and they're extremely soft. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like the cheap pleather you might be used to in a uh, low end uh, car like LeSaver or something. Well, this is San Francisco. We do have uh, plant based hamburgers that bleed now. So you know we're, we've got some innovation going on around here. Yeah, it, they, they were great. I would get. I think I'm. I think I want to get the white seats. I'm still still uh, debating that with my significant other on that one. Um, you can't wear any uh, raw denim in there, though. You're gonna I know. stain your white seat blue. I'll have to wear dad jeans. <laughs> Steve Jobs. Um, and then the last thing I have here is there's going to be something special in the car for people who were day one reservation holders. Day one, so, the people who lined up, like people yourself? who lined up, yeah. That apparently there's going to be some special option for us. Uh, it in the past, it's been a paint option for the people who reserved, and it was like the signature red color. Uh, don't expect it will be that, but it should be something else. So, not sure what it's going to be, but apparently something special for day one reservation holders. Uh, it could be as small as a different uh, license plate holder, up into something really special like a special wheel option or color combination, but don't some sure. cars have like limited edition cars will have like a little plaque or something in them that say it's like, you know, like a numbered vert, like yeah, limited yeah. edition kind of thing. Yeah. And the door sill where they will have like the VIN and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the super high end supercars have that. Um, maybe it'll have that. Maybe it'll have a little like reservation one of 100,000 or something. Maybe a giant number one on the hood. 
Mm. Maybe a hood ornament that has a one, a, a 3D one sticking out of the hood. I don't think it'll be that. You're, you're number one. Hashtag one. The, oh, the other thing is we now know that the uh, branding is going to be the numer- numeral three and not uh, three dashes. That was, that was a, a possibility? It was. The old branding was the three that looked like an E because they originally wanted to call the car the Model E so they could have the Model S, the Model E, and the Model X for <laughs> sex. And then they would have the Model Y for branding sexy. By an, it's like brand, branding by an adolescent male. I mean, that's Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> so it's actually going to be a three. And three looks like from Halo. Uh, if you look at the uh, typeface, it looks very Halo-y to me. Also indicative of the designer. So the, I guess the entertainment system will now be Cortana? Yeah. Yeah. So that is all I've got for you. Um, that was a lot. A lot of, a lot of updates there. So 3.3. I think in the next few weeks, we will have more information on Model 3. And very shortly, not this upcoming episode, but the episode after, we will have our favorite style of episode, a quarterly earnings call. <laughs> and it's a Q4, and it also is the annual review for the entire year. So buckle up. So we're going to have one more episode, and then we'll have the Q4 episode. So we might need to have some sort of caffeine-based drink uh, for, for that one. That one is going to be a doozy. Or you'll just be riding high on the numbers. Do you know why they call it a doozy? I do not. Why is that? It's based on the Duesenberg, a vehicle. It was such an amazing car that they uh, used to, ha- people would call it, that's a doozy. And it became synonymous with the idea of something being exciting and uh, overwhelming and great. Wow. It's a doozy. That's some good automotive trivia right there. There you go. All right, with that, where can people <laughs> tell us other amazing things they know about Model 3 and uh, trivia? Oh, please, go straight away to uh, twitter.com and you can uh, compose a tweet to us. And we are, our screen name is at the Tesla Show. Uh, you can reach us on our worldwide website at theteslashow.com or on our subreddit on reddit.com at r slash theteslashow. Screen names, the World Wide Web. I'm excited. I got very specific right there. All right. Talk to you later, Mike. Au revoir. Adios.